bulletin. You should have uh, an outline for today. It should be flashed up here, here shortly. And what I want to do is just talk to you about three things, three simple little sentences that I think will help guide us through um, any, any circumstance. We'll see that from the Scripture. It's absolutely amazing that God doesn't leave suffering as something for us to wonder about. And as was said several times through a funeral, uh, we grieve, but not as those who don't have hope. I can't imagine facing this apart from the grace of God. And so what I wanted to begin with is, is in Isaiah 40. Isaiah is a book that's 66 chapters long. Uh, first 39 chapters are really about judgment, and the last 27 are about comfort. It's, my, it's like some have called it a mini-Bible. And so you have judgment and then comfort. And it's great to see what Isaiah writes, literally what God has Isaiah write, for his people as he starts to comfort them. And so you see in Isaiah chapter 40, we're going to begin with sovereignty. Uh, we have to begin there. Comfort begins with believing that God is in control. And so my simple sentence for this section is, our God is sovereign. You, you have to state the obvious because sometimes we miss that. And in a time of confusion, you've got to hold on to that fact. And so Isaiah 40, look what he says from, from the very beginning of this whole section, the next 27 chapters, he says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. He says, Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her, that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for our, all her sins, that in a sense that the Lord's comfort is going to over uh, whelm them. And then look what he says in verse 11. He calls the prophets to get up on the mountain and say, Behold, your Lord comes with might in verse 10. And he says, He will tend to his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. And I would say he would tend to my brother and sister-in-law. And he's, he's carrying them. He's comforting them. And so we see from the beginning this God is a God of comfort. But let's turn the page and look at 25 and 26 of Isaiah 40. Comfort begins with believing. Not just knowing. There's a difference between knowing something and believing it. Comfort begins with believing that God is in control. Verse 25, To whom will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and see who created these. He's talking about stars. Who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. By the greatness of his might and because he is strong in power, not one of them is missing. And you know what? When he made the stars, I've said this before, he kind of shrugged his shoulders. He makes the greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night, and he just goes, let's have some stars. Stars. And they're there. Millions. And he knows them all by name. Ted, you shine over here. And then he goes on and, and he says, 
Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, those who may have been doubting? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known and have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. We do. His understanding is unsearchable. Amen? It's okay to ask the question, why? He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even, even youths shall faint and be weary. Young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. And just one more section from Isaiah, Isaiah 46, 8 through 11. Great couple of verses on the sovereignty of God. Remember this and stand firm. So what Isaiah is saying is reflect, think about what I'm getting ready to say, and then with that, stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. Amen? I am God and there is none like me. And then he's going to go on to describe who he is. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east. The man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. That gives me great comfort. From the beginning of time, as we know it with Adam and Eve, until Jesus returns, whether it be today or many years from today, He knows it. He's planned it. And we're living it out. Does that negate us of our responsibility? Absolutely not. But I rest in the fact that God didn't uh, blink or didn't get shocked at what happened ten days ago. Oh, did that happen? It's not how He did it. How'd that happen? God... And His sovereignty, although sometimes a mystery, knew exactly what was going to happen. More on that in a minute. And so this God is sovereign, not only in Isaiah over nations and kingdoms. Look at Psalm 139. We're going to see He's sovereign over every single person in this room. Psalm 139. It's a, every verse I'm hitting you with today is a familiar verse. It's like living out what Paul said a couple of weeks ago. It's, it's no trouble for me and it's safe for you to say the same things over. So we're looking at Psalm 139. It's a beautiful psalm. And we'll just look at the first six verses. O Lord, You have searched me and You have known me. You may circle that word known. It's mentioned four times. You know when I sit down, and you know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path, and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. 
Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. And this is the reflection of David. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. God knew what was going to happen. And the God of heaven and earth who created the world, who's redeemed the world through Jesus Christ, who sustains it by his grace, knows each and every one of us in this room. He knows my brother and sister-in-law. And he wasn't surprised. Uh, The God who's big enough to create the world is, is big enough to console misery and pain. And so this God who is completely sovereign, absolutely sovereign, allowed this to happen. And as we talked about in Sunday school, in Job 1 and 2, if you've ever read that book, you and I have the privilege that Job didn't have. We get to see chapters 1 and 2. Job never got to see it and his questions never got answered. We got to see the fact in Job 1 and 2 that Job was a a righteous man. He was literally blameless, upright, fearing God and turning away from evil. And that he had, he, had the, he had personal integrity, he had the ideal family, he had enormous prosperity, and he was leading spiritually. That it said that even Job would go and make intercession for his children just in case that they had cursed God in their hearts. And he said he did this continually. So there was nothing wrong with Job. And then Satan comes in. And and then you begin this dialogue for the next 40 some odd chapters. A dialogue between God and Satan, uh, Job and his friends, and then God and Job. And you see see Satan come in and in the dialogue, God is omnipresent. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. He says, where have you been? Satan says, from walking on the earth moving about to and fro. He said, have you considered my servant Job? And here's God's description of Job. I I pray and hope that this is something in my own life. He's blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. And, And Satan goes, yeah, 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 but he doesn't bless you for anything. Look, you've set a hedge of protection around him. You've blessed him with all these things. You take those away, he'll curse you to his face. To which God replies, fair enough. He doesn't say fair enough in the book, but it's a little divine insertion. Fair enough. You can take everything, only don't take his life. Take everything. And through war and through weather, Job's possessions are, are gone. And you know what Job's response is? Let's just turn there. Job 1, you sang it. This is where it comes from. Job 1, 20 through 22. Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and fell on the ground, and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all those Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Job didn't understand what was going on, but Job worshipped. 
And guess what? That wasn't the end. Chapter 2, same exact conversation happens. And Job's life gets touched. God says, you can do whatever to him, but just don't take him. Don't kill him. And he's got diseases and sores all over his body. And not one time in that, those first two chapters did he sin against God by accusing him. God is in control, but God is often misunderstood because what happens through the rest of the book is that his friends, misunderstanding God, give him wrong counsel and say, Job, obviously you, you're doing something wrong or this wouldn't have happened. To which Job is defending himself. And finally he crosses the line because the Lord's got to rebuke him. But what we can understand from this is our God is absolutely a sovereign. And he allows suffering to happen. So that the people that he knows who are blameless and upright fear him and turning away from evil, they will praise his name. They will worship him. But not only does comfort begin with knowing God is in control, we want to look now at Psalm 34. We're just kind of going back and forth in the Psalms and we'll head over to the New Testament. That our God is not only sovereign, but He is merciful. He is merciful. And this is where I'll get into some of the details of what went on over the past week. Psalm 34, 17-19 When the righteous cry out for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and He saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And you and I need to rest in the fact that the Lord will one day deliver us from out, out from every affliction that we face. Uh, be it a, a disease that we carry with us even today, uh, be it um, the death of a, of a parent or a spouse or a child. Whatever God is allowing in our lives, He will deliver us out of it. He may not do it in this lifetime. We, we just have to face that fact. I think the book of Job is written for us to show that ultimately and finally, Everything will be made right. You see the beginning of Job in 1-5. through five, It's this perfect character of a man who walks with God. And then in the end, he's completely restored. And that's for us to give us hope. That may not happen in our lifetime. It just may not. And so, although we understand God's sovereignty, we, we may not understand His mystery, but that does not give us the right to say, this is unfair. What seems absurd, meaningless, uh, we don't get to say it's unfair. Because there was a man named Jesus who deserved nothing. And God allowed the ultimate evil to happen to him so that literally those who trust in him because of, of his, his work on the cross, we might be free. Not just free citizens in America, but free to love God to glorify in God and free knowing that we spend eternity with Him. And so it grieves us, but God is glorious. He will deliver my brother and my sister-in-law and Cooper and my mother and Jen, her, or Jana, her mother. 
He will deliver them through that. He's merciful. And you know how God's mercy works? God's mercies work through every situation and through His people. That God, in Romans 8.28, says He works how many things for good? All things. You think, even what happened last week, you've got to say yes. I've got to say yes. He's working all things for good. And how does He do it? He works it through His sovereignty and through His mercy. Listen to some of the things that just happen to happen. Right? Just happened. That's what the, that's what the world would say. Coincidence. So it just, just happened to be. Really. Did it just happen to be that my in-laws were here for a week and one of them's retired and one of them's a school nurse? They just happened to be here that week on those days so that they could keep our kids and Ashley and I could get to California. That just happened? Just happened. My mother just happen to be retired and, 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 and physically and financially in a position where she can just up and go in one day. Just so happens that, that that's how it is. Jared's mentor from Fellowship Bible Little Rock just happens to be, this gets better, just happens to be in San Diego on vacation. Where Jared's pastor, Brad Bell, just happens to be going for a conference. Hmm. So it just happens that they can get back on a plane and come and minister him to the memorial. That just just happened. Just so happens that there's a couple in their congregation who's experienced the exact same thing. The mother goes and lays the baby down for a nap and the baby doesn't get up. There just happened to be another couple who within minutes after this has happened is over at my brother's house comforting. And it just so happened that Jen's best friend had already planned to be on vacation that week and come out to be with her for a week. So it didn't just happen. Beloved, right? God is sovereign. And He knew what was going on then. And He so orchestrated through our decisions, right? Hey, Papa E, Mama E, why don't you guys come out in this last week in June? This would be a good week. God's going, this is just, this is working. Hey, Jen, this is, this is uh, Mitzi. Didn't want to get that name wrong. I'd just love to come and be with you, my best friends from since second grade for a week. Maybe towards the end of June, first part of July. Sure, why not? Rick Taylor. Why don't we just go and visit our son out in California? Be there with him for a little bit. Brad, long before, yeah, I'll just accept a, a speaking conference in San Diego. God's sovereign, working through our decisions. And you know what? Where I want to end on this are two places. Second Corinthians 1, because this sovereign God who is merciful does not do it apart from His people. He is the God of all comfort in any affliction, and we, everybody in this room, are instruments of good in times of grief. Look at 2 Corinthians 1. These are the two verses when they asked me to pray in the funeral that God had led to my heart. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. And today we'll just add five. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just like Job. The Father of mercies. Notice what it didn't say here. It's not the warrior of mercies, not the creator of mercies. He's the Father of mercies. And the God of all comfort. All comfort. Now watch this. Who is this God? His God comforts us in our affliction. Why? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. How? With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. God is the God of all comfort for any affliction. And so not only does comfort begin by believing that God is in control, comfort becomes real through comforted people. Let me just tell you some thoughts about the week of how God was merciful in this situation. God allowed this and His sovereignty to happen after Father's Day, after Mother's Day, um, after my mother, his grandmother, got to visit with him. She had never seen him. By the way, Ashley and I never met him until we got to see him uh, that Monday morning. He's a huge, big boy. And it was just, I told my brother later, I was like, I didn't want to say it right there, but this guy's huge. Jared said, he's a good eater. I mean, you walk up on him and you're thinking it's a little four-month-old baby and this this guy was going to be a lineman. He's huge. So he allowed that to happen. Their friends, by the way, their friends, their church is, is sizable. You know where their friends come from? Their small group. And their small group was there. Not um, When they got home that evening, not ten minutes later, they were there and we got to meet them and see them all week. And they were there that night and that couple was there with them to, to minister to them, to love on them, to do anything for them. They had more meals. They had to start stacking meals in other people's freezers. And they have meals, by the way, through August. This is how God comforts through His people. Families were reunited. Friends were reconnected. We got to meet, I got to meet Jared's mentor from college who lives in Fort Collins. Actually, it's Estes Park. And he goes, oh yeah, I, used to, I came over to Eagle one time and played hockey in some ice rink. Really? Yeah, he goes, it was kind of weird. It was on the back side of town and then you pass this neighborhood that kind of looks like from Dr. Seuss. I go, oh yeah, that's where I live. In the yellow house. One of the four. <laughs> really? Yeah. So we got to connect. We traded information. Man, I want to connect with you guys. I want, I want uh, what's her name? Angie and the kids to, to reconnect with you guys. Uh, by the way, this is God's mercy. That as you guys, as this church, was, it, was embracing this and praying for us and praying for my brother because the Lord took away a child, He gives a child. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He, he gives and He takes away. The local church was amazing. Not only in Fresno, not only in Tulsa, not only in Little Rock, but here. I mean, I got to see the love of the church up front in Fresno. I heard from my mother that 30 minutes after she got the phone call from my brother, two of the women in her small group were over there comforting her. 
Because it was a tough day for my mother. And then to talk to Andrew and Eric and then for them to say go and to hear people come and give them meals. To give my in-laws, they're not my grandparents, to give my kids' grandparents, my in-laws meals so that they can play with them all day long every day and not have to worry about cooking. So thank you. I mean that. Thank you. For just, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, let me, let me check my schedule. Uh, Becky's like, yeah, I'll do one, and we know so-and-so and so-and-so will do one. We'll get it all taken care of. Boom. Set up. So the local church, amazing. I would not want to experience death outside the local church. Not only because I want to be a member of the local church and saved by grace, and, it, and it's, it's blossoming through the local church, but because in times of trouble, that's where Romans 12 was lived out. We rejoice with those who rejoice. Amen, brother. And then we weep with those who weep. Well, who wouldn't want to be in the local church? Is it perfect? No. But I got to see it up close and personal. This is not theory. This is not what we learn in seminary anymore. This is real. So thank you to everybody. I got a phone call. He's not here today, I don't think. I'll just brag on him. Six o'clock in the morning. What time did we leave? We left at five that Friday morning. So we're on the road, almost to Glenwood. Hey, Judd, this is Mike Pittman. Most people aren't even up, Mike. And, you know, he's driving to work. I just wanted to call and let you know I'm praying for you. Praise God. I'm coming home, and another guy calls me. Hey, man, how are you? Good. Just bookended with phone calls, emails, so thank you. We couldn't do it uh, without you. That's, that's the God's honest truth. And so God will deliver us from all our afflictions. He may not do it in our lifetime, but during that, He, he comforts us through people, through mercy. I just stand amazed, you know, I, I use this song, but I stand amazed in His presence just to see everything that was happening. Just to see His sovereign hand at work and just to see the love of people. Um, I weep. But I, I don't weep and grieve as I don't have any hope. I, I see it in the faces of people that shared with us in this. And so we're sharing with my brother and sister-in-law in this. And we can't, Andrew, Eric, and I are not naive to think this is just a distant thing. Whatever, there's maybe something going on right here. And people react to these things different ways. Uh, those of you that have lost a spouse or a parent or nephews, uh, we, we know there's a variety of emotions even today. And so I'm just letting you know, if you need to talk about anything, I'll be here afterwards. But one thing I want to leave us with is we know if God is sovereign and control begins by believing He's in control and that He's merciful, that we believe that comfort becomes real through comforted people, finally we have a responsibility. It's the proverb we've all known. I, I probably shouldn't even turn there because you've got it all memorized. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, what's it say? Trust in the Lord with, and lean not on your, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Trust isn't an option. It's not, it's not consider trusting the Lord when, when you, it's not an option. 
It's easy to say we can trust God. It's harder for one to say we must trust God. I mean, what else are you going to do? You're going to try to fix it? There's not one silver bullet slogan that can help a person in time of trouble. You know the one good thing Job's friends did? (laughs) It's at the end of chapter 2. It says, when they heard about it, they came to him, and when they saw him, they ripped their robes. There was a formal religious formality, much like a funeral, and they just sat with him. And you know what they did for seven days? They did nothing. They just sat there. Just sat there. That was the best counsel they gave to him. It was just to sit there and be with him. Because the minute they opened their mouths, it went south. You're doing this because... And so we've got to trust. We must trust. Even when we don't understand God. Um, John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, wonderful hymn, ministered to a fellow named William Cowper, who was plagued with severe depression back, way back, and never came through it. But he kept entrusting himself, just as we trust in the Lord with all our heart. First Peter 4.19 says, you, even when you suffer as according to the will of God, you keep entrusting yourselves to the Creator. You keep doing it. Why? Because Jesus, when suffering for no wrong, kept trusting himself to God. Even when it doesn't make sense. When it seems, and I use that word uh, carefully, when it seems absurd, it seems meaningless, it seems undeserved, we still trust God. Listen to this hymn that Cowper wrote. Here's a guy with severe depression, never came through it, and so he didn't wallow in what he was in. He, he wrote hymns that are still spoken thousands of years later. It's called God Moves in Mysterious Ways. God moves in mysterious ways, His wonders to perform. He plants His footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, He treasures up His bright designs and works His sovereign will. This is a guy who's in depression. Okay, This isn't some guy who's got it all together. This guy's who's going through it. Ye fearful saints, take, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Here's a key phrase. Judge not thy Lord with feeble sense. Don't be too quick to say you know what's going on. But trust Him for His grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. We often suffer. We sometimes understand. We must trust. And so... Friend of mine is here, James Skinner. This is Crossroads before I was leading Crossroads. I was learning my ministry skills from him.
he said to me, how's your brother doing? I said, it's up and down. It's, it's, a, it's good one day, it's, it's bad one day. And, and, <clears throat> and my sister-in-law wrote, it's hard getting used to my new normal because life will never be the same. It's, it's never going to be the same. So what do we do? What do we do just as in our own lives if there's something going on or prepping for that time when it comes, what do we do? To the comforter, those of us who are comforting the others, the keys are just listen. Look for opportunities to serve. The greatest thing Brad Bell said was don't wait until, don't say, hey, if you need us to serve you in any way, just let us know. He said, look for the opportunity and do it. If a lawn needs mowed, mow the lawn. If meals need to be brought, bring the meals. Whatever it is, they've got so much going through their head right now, they don't need to organize, oh, I need this and this and this. So for us, listen. Do like Job's friends did at the beginning of their ministry to him. Listen. Look for ways to serve. And if you do choose to speak, make them simple, balanced truths. Nothing trite like, oh, if we could only see Tyler James with Jesus right now, the only thing we would be doing is celebrating. It's not true. We would be. We, we would be overwhelmed if we could. I mean, if we see it right now, we would all fall on our face as the glory of God shining on earth. But, but that's not the world we live in. We live in a fallen world, a painful world. And so comments like that, much like Job's wife, come out from hearts that are wanting to do good, but often speaking foolish things. Because because I came with my own thoughts. Lord, if you give me the opportunity, what am I going to say? I was reading through some articles on my own. Where do babies go when they die? Guess what my brother asked? I'm just a little confused. I don't, I don't know where... He didn't say, I don't know. He just said, I don't know yet if I'm convinced about where Tyler James is. Just so happened. See, here's how God's sovereign. I happen to have articles. I said, bro, if you want, you can read these. These these show you from the Scriptures that your son is with Jesus. So he reads them. We go to the memorial service, sitting there on the front row with him. Brad's saying a few things, and he goes, you know what I want to talk to you about today? I want to let you know where Tyler James is. It just so happened. <laughs> and you see my brother sitting right there, kind of perk up. God's working on his heart. So you listen, you look for opportunities to serve, and if you speak, just make sure it's simple and balanced. And to all of us, we stand firm. We stand firm. We trust. We don't lean on our own understanding in the peace that surpasses all understanding we pray for, but we stand firm. And we look to God. I'm going to have Heath play something right now, and as soon as it's done, if the men will come up that are doing communion, all I'd like you to do during this song, this song, I may leave. (laughs) One of the verses in here, it says, I look to the guy, the God who created the world and holds it together, and he just asks for 
for the Lord to hold him now. And that's my prayer for my brother. Because they're... That's just my prayer for him. I don't know what else to do. But just to ask the God who created the world. And I have prayed Psalm 147.3 repeatedly. The Lord heals the brokenhearted. And he does. So if you just... If you want... I. Pick the video that has the lyrics so you can follow along. Feel free to sing quietly if you want, if you just want to sit there, whatever it is. Just think about the fact that in the end, this isn't shocking to God. He knows. And He's not just a God who knows, but He cares and He loves. And He's not just a God who knows and He loves and cares, but He does it through us. Amen.